Ooh, glory to God. I want to share something with you. I was just impressed to share. This is not my message, but this is just going to be an appetizer. I'll take my time today. Where else are you going to go today? Praise God. To the grocery store, get some food. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Praise God. I really appreciate Team Summit. I want to just give a shout out to Team Summit, man. We've got some awesome, awesome folks that makes it easy for me to do what I do. Praise God. This is a time uh, I want to turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 7. Beginning of verse uh, verse one. Just give me a little little bit of light in the house. Thank you. Um, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Reason. Actually, let's go ahead and receive our our communion right now. This would be good to share during communion. I was going to go on it. I had another scripture that I wanted to share with you during communion, but I'm just led to do this. Um, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king reason of Aaron, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, now this is uh, Jerusalem, the house of David was told that Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, and that's of, of, of Israel. Ephraim represented Israel. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. I'm reading this from the NIV. So two kings, king of Judah, king of Israel, were aligned together and were and had planned to attack Jerusalem. So the house of David was told about this. So they were shaken. And just like this coronavirus has shaken many people, I, I'm, I'm here to encourage you and give you good news. Now, what, here's, here's what happened. Boy, this is good stuff. And they were shaken. I mean, it's real, the situation that's going on. Faith, we, when we talk about putting trust and faith in God, faith does not deny the existence of something. Faith in God, trust in God, denies that situation that's of the devil, it denies its right to have power over you. Faith doesn't deny the existence of a problem. Faith doesn't deny the existence of a crisis. It, it denies its right. It denies the crisis, the problem's right to control you to defeat you, to overpower you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If someone could bring me a communion element, 
Thank you. So, you see, they were shaken. <laughs> like the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. They're shaking, okay? Then the Lord said to Isaiah, the prophet, Go out, you and your son, Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Okay, so the Lord sent to Ahaz a prophet. Say to him, now here's a word for us. This is a timely word for us. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of, of these two smoldering stubs of firewood because of the fierce anger of reason and Aram and, and of the son of Remaliah, the coronavirus. Stay calm in this situation. Don't be afraid because, now to, to them it was these two armies, but for us it's this coronavirus crisis. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Don't lose heart because of these cats coming against you. Verse 5, Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it amongst ourselves and make the son of Tabel king over it. They had already even prepared a king to take uh, the current king uh, Ahaz's uh, place. Watch this. Yet this is what the Lord says. This is what the sovereign Lord said. It will not take place. It will not happen. Concerning this coronavirus, it will not come near you. And I'm going to just keep saying this. We agree with me. We command in the name of Jesus that this coronavirus die and cease its spread in the name of Jesus. Oh, man, we don't know how long it could last. Months and months and months. It hasn't even peaked yet. No, die in Jesus' name. If this thing is going to stop, it is going to stop. And it's going to stop not because the experts get together and find a solution. It's going to happen when the church rises up and use their authority in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to talk about authority today in the name of Jesus. He said, the prophet told him, gave him a word from the Lord, it will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only reason. Within 65 years, Ephraim will too Will, will, too, will be too shattered to be a people. He was, also, he was prophesying about the future, but he's, he was also uh, telling him what's going to take place in the present, that this plan of theirs to attack them and defeat them will not happen. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. Watch this. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Wow. Did you hear that? 
We have a responsibility. The only thing that we have to do is believe. If you do not stand firm, well, I just don't know. No, we know this, what, what the outcome will be. This thing's going to die. The church needs to rise up and be the church. We are the light of the world, and the light ought to shine brightly. We're the solution to this thing. And we need to use our authority in the name of Jesus. If we do not stand firm in our faith, we will not stand at all. Whoo, glory to God. Is that good or what? We do not stand firm in our faith. We will not stand at all, but we're going to stand firm in our faith. Lord, we just thank you right now. The reason why we have no fear is because of the cross. We thank you that no plague shall come near our dwelling because Jesus on the cross took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. I, I invite you to grab a cracker or some juice and some juice at the house, wherever you are, and partake of communion with us. This bread represents the body of Jesus. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, one of his benefits is by his stripes you were healed, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who heals all our diseases. If you've tested positive for the coronavirus, I want you to go grab a cracker and partake of this bread representing Jesus. He took that sickness for you, and I speak healing over your body right now in the name of Jesus. Speak it over your, any, any of your loved ones or friends who've contracted this thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Let's partake of the bread. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Stand firm in your faith so you can stand. The Bible says, having done all, Stand. How can you be so confident? How can you be, be so sure? Because we've got promises from God. We've got promises in his word. Amen. This cup represents the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because of his blood, do you realize if you're forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future, that happened on the cross? God's not condemning you, as I said before. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not 2 Corinthians 5 says, not imputing their trespasses unto them. God is not holding your sins against you. He's not charging your sins to your account. He, he charged your sins to Jesus' account 2,000 years ago. And if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, 
I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. We don't have to wait to the end for, for uh, invitation. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, right now while we're receiving communion, receive him now as your personal Savior and Lord. you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to lead you in a salvation prayer. Pray this after me. Say, Dear God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead for me. Thank you that Jesus took all my sins, past, present, and future, on the cross. Thank you for your great love for me. I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. I receive all that he has done for me on the cross. He's my personal Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God, you're my Father. you prayed that prayer for the first time, guess what? You are born again. Jesus is the Lord of your life. See, because it's it's not by your effort. You don't get good enough to get saved. If we were good enough, we wouldn't need a Savior. It's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. He did all the heavy lifting. He took all your sin. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. By grace, you've been saved. What's grace? God's un earned, unmerited, undeserved favor. Now that you're born again, continue to live your life by the same grace that you've been saved by. As you receive Christ by grace, through faith, by no effort of your own, that's how we live. We live not by our obedience, but by Jesus' obedience. Don't be concerned about living right, living right, because the church is really good about talking about living, live right, live right, live right, live right. No, believe right. Because if you believe right, you'll live right as a byproduct. Don't focus on, well, I just need need to get my life together and live right. No, believe right. Let let Christ live his life through you. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Let Christ live his life through you. And the life, Paul said, that, that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. See, you don't live your Christian life by your performance. You live by God's grace. See, you don't earn, just like you didn't earn salvation, you don't earn God's blessings on your life. Well, if you just do this and do this and do this, God will bless you. No, God will bless you because of Jesus. God's love for you is unconditional. His love for you is not based on your performance. God is not into, well, he loves me, he loves me not. I did bad, he loves me not. I did good, he loves me. I did bad, he loves me not. I I did good, he loves me. No. We live by God's grace, his unconditional love and grace. His love is either unconditional or it's not. 
if it's unconditional, and it is, his love for you is not based on how you perform, how you behave, and how you act. You are, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you're a believer and didn't know it, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness means right standing with God. By one man's disobedience, we were made sinners. That's why we all need to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Okay? And so it was all because of Adam's disobedience on the cross that many were made sinners. That's why we needed a Savior. See, there was nothing that you could do when you're a sinner there's no good works that you could do, okay, to, uh, to make yourself, like, so, so by one man's disobedience, you were made sinner. You can't uh, undo your sinner, sinnerhood, <laughs> for lack of a better word, by your obedience, okay? You couldn't stop being a sinner because of something that you did, because it was, you're a sinner not because of, of something that you do, but because you inherited that sin nature from Adam. You couldn't stop being a sinner by something you did because it was one man's disobedience that made you a sinner. You were a sinner by nature because of, not because of anything you did, but because of what you inherited from Adam by one man's disobedience. So, so likewise, once you re receive Christ, it's by, the scripture says in Romans 5.19, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. By one man's obedience, not your obedience, just like it was one man's disobedience that made us sinners, it's one man's obedience, Jesus, that made us righteous, not your obedience. You're not righteous. You don't have right standing with God by your obedience, but by Jesus' obedience, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Regardless of how you behave or how you act, you, we all fail. We all make mistakes, okay? We all got issues. But on your worst day, you are still the righteousness of God in Christ. You can, you can sin a thousand times today, but you are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because it's not by your performance or your self-effort or your obedience. It's because of Jesus' obedience. Just by no acts of obedience could, could uh, undo your being a sinner under Adam and receiving that sin's nat uh, sin nature from him. Because it was it's by his disobedience, it's by Jesus' obedience that made you righteous. So there's no thing that you can do to make you unrighteous. Because you weren't made righteous by anything you did. And guess what? You know what? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna partake of this in a second. Thank you, Lord. If you could do anything to undo your righteousness, that would make what Adam did more powerful than what Jesus did. Because not, not one thing, when we were a sinner, to recap, not one thing you did, not one thing that you could do to undo your sinner status. 
And most Christians agree with that. Oh, no, no, there's nothing you can do, but it's by grace that you save. There's no, no work that you can do. See, nothing you can, there's nothing that you can do to undo your sinner status. Well, maybe if I, if I do this, maybe if I do that, maybe I can help little old ladies cross the street. Maybe I can uh, take my, my neighbor lady some groceries that's just elderly. Maybe if I give to the Red Cross or the United Way. Okay, maybe, maybe then I'll, I'll be good enough to get in. No, no. You, you, don't, you don't get to heaven, and you don't become righteous by anything that you do because you, you understand it's, it's by grace that you've been saved. There's not, nothing you can do to change your sinner status. We understand that. So what makes you think as a believer, once you receive Christ, because it was one man's disobedience made you a sinner, this one man's obedience made you righteous, what makes you think that you can do anything to undo your righteous status once you become a believer? Thank you, Lord. I, I just sense that, uh, man, I didn't tend to go in this direction. I believe somebody uh, needed to hear that today. Thank you, Lord, that, that no matter your mistakes, some, some of you condemning yourself because of your mistakes, I want you to know that God still loves you. His love for you remains intact. He doesn't love you any less. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you any less than he loves you right now. There's nothing you can do to get him to love you anymore because his love is what is unconditional. It's not based on your performance. Well, I believe you just need to live a holy life, Pastor. You, you saying that we, we, we're not so, we, you ought to tell people to live right. See, if you believe what I'm talking about and you believe right, believe this stuff I'm telling you right now, that you're righteous by Jesus' obedience, not by your obedience, you live holier by accident than you ever could on purpose. Amen. I'm so thankful for everyone who made Jesus the Lord of their life today. Let us know. Uh, let us know. Hey, I, I prayed that prayer with Pastor. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, just message us or, or put a post uh, or put a comment down there and, uh, and let us know. Because I want to send you some information to help you understand what happened when you prayed that prayer. If you're watching on our summit.churchonline.org platform, there's someone available in the chat area. If you click the live prayer button midway down your screen, you'll go into a private chat area and then somebody will be there to minister to you. Praise God. I'm going to go as long as I want today because you know you can always turn me off anytime you want. <laughs> but I encourage you to stay tuned because you're going to get blessed. We're going uh, to we're, we're learn some things today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Nobody knows at all. So be open to learn because I'm going to say some things that might shock you today. But I want you to um, do me this favor. Check it out in the word. This cup represents the blood of Jesus. And because of his blood, we were made righteous. Let's partake of the cup today. See him on that cross. Authority. Okay. Last week I shared a special message in light of this coronavirus and but this message, too, just uh, it helps us during this time as well. Uh, it's very timely. That the Lord uh, led me to talk about believers' authority. I started it a few weeks ago. As I said last week, we shared something else. But today we're going to jump back on it. And because we have new people watching, new people are coming on, um, all the time, thank God, um, we're seeing more people 
viewing us online than ever before, and it's going to increase. Amen. And um, I'm looking forward to Easter Sunday. Amen. We're going to have another um, service um, online next week. And whenever Easter is, I think that might be even the next week or the week following. Uh, whenever it is, praise God. When we come together, I tell you, it's, we, we, we're going to bust out. Amen. Because the more people... God is adding to the church. See, the church is not a building. We are the church. The church is the body of Christ. Okay, so let's just dive right in. The authority of the believer. We have authority. And because we've got new people um, that, may, that, that didn't hear me when I uh, introduced this message, I taught twice on it. Um, I'm just going to recap. It's going to be like a recap. And, but I'm going to add some things in there, too, as well. Praise the Lord. Matthew 10, 1. Uh, we'll start there. Authority defined is a state, I found this in my Bible software, I really love this definition, it's a state of control over something. I want you to think about it because you have authority as the believer. Authority is a state of control over something. Matthew 10.1, this is just a, a bit of a recap. Oh, no, no, no. we, we want to, somebody's going to remind me. Somebody remind me, reminded me one time, Pastor, we didn't do the confession. So, okay, let's jump into the confession here. All right, I got change of slide error. I'm trying to control things here. Praise the Lord. Uh, all right. Let's repeat this after me. I am greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved by you. And it disappeared from my screen. Let me go back. Ignore the man behind the curtain here for a second. Let me uh, <laughs> try this again. It just poof, went away. Praise the Lord. Um, okay, here we go. Let's do this again. Positive confession of God's word. God's word is only positive. And this is who you are. This is who you are in Christ. Amen. I am greatly blessed, I am greatly blessed highly favored, and deeply loved by you. I am, the, I am the disciple who Jesus loves. I am my father's favorite child. Just repeat, the, repeat that to me, y'all, because so, they can't see it online. So, all right. So, I am my father's favorite child. I am the apple of his eye. I am well-pleasing in his sight. I receive the love that my Father has for me. Everything I do and touch shall be blessed because I am the beloved. I am loved, righteous, blessed, prosperous, redeemed, forgiven, healed, talented, creative, confident, secured, disciplined, Focused, prepared, qualified, motivated, valuable, free, determined, equipped, empowered, anointed, accepted and approved, not average, not mediocre, holy, flawless, 
without blemish, blameless, and free from accusation. I am a child of the Most High God. I will become all I was created to be in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You are, no matter what's going on in the world, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are a child of the Most High God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your righteousness, it says in Isaiah 54, is of me. Thank you, Lord. And I want to highlight something that we just confessed. Accepted and approved has nothing to do with your behavior. You are accepted in the eyes of God. You'll never lose your right standing with God no matter what your behavior you all, on your worst day, you're still accepted. That's part of what it means to be righteous. You're accepted by God and approved and the Father is well pleased with you. Forget about your mistakes, your failures, your sins, your shortcomings, because God has already forgotten those things. He forgave you of all the wrong, all the sin that you ever did 2,000 years ago on the cross. Whoo, man, I thank you, Lord. Some people are getting free right now. This is who you are in Christ. This is how God sees you. It may not be how religious folks see you. And religious folks are good at pointing their finger at you and seeing all your mistakes but not looking at theirs. They shouldn't be looking at theirs or yours. But, but see, but a lot of people are operating in self-righteousness, always wanting to point out mistakes. That's, that's what religious folks do. Thank you, Jesus. But... God says you're accepted. God says you're approved. And you're qualified. You're qualified for the inheritance because Jesus has qualified you. And guess what? You have authority. Don't think, don't let the devil or religious people, and the devil is, is behind religious people saying stuff like this, that you are disqualified because of something that you did and you can't really exercise your authority over the enemy because of the way you're living. No. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and God loves you unconditionally. Even in your bad behavior, he loves you right now. And if you let him love you, see, by believing right and receiving the love that the Father has for you, you won't be afraid. See, you, you, you won't feel like you're unacceptable to God because his perfect love will drive out all fear. And guess what? The living right is just going to be a byproduct. Because I'm for living right now. Don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm for living right. But it's how we live right. It's by believing. Not by trying. I'm, try, I'm just trying my best, Lord. I'm just trying my best. Stop trying. Just give up. Your freedom starts when you come to the end of yourself and you realize it's by grace that you live your life, by God's unearned, undeserved, and unmerited favor. All right, let's, let's get into this. Praise God. Uh, 
The believer's authority, you have authority as a believer, authority is a state of control over something. Um, in Matthew 10, verse 1, he gave, he, and he called to, to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. He gave his disciples, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he gave them authority. He was sending them out here. He gave them, them authority over demons and sickness and disease. Okay? Now, God, he supplies the power. And I gave this illustration that, that uh, you don't go to the electric company, where whoever the elect, elect, electric company is where you live. Um, you don't walk into a dark house. You walk in... 10 o'clock at night and your house is dark. Do you call the electric company and, and ask them to turn the power on? No. The power is already supplied. You have to flip the switch. God has supplied the power. Now, as believers, all we got to do is flip the switch. God has already healed you. He's already prospered you. He's already blessed you. And see, authority is not talking, now there's a place for prayer, don't misunderstand me, but I'm talking about authority right now, and that's, uh, that's different than praying. In Luke 10, 19, uh, Jesus said, I give unto you authority to walk on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, watch this, and nothing shall hurt you. King James, New King James says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, because you have authority, that's exousia in the Greek, this is, uh, in the King James, it's got, I give you power uh, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. In the ESV, it differentiates um, the, the two words for power, okay? The first word is, should be translated authority as it is in the ESV. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, that's demons and evil spirits, and over all of the enemy's power. The enemy, the devil, is the author of the coronavirus, not God. That's right. That's right. And we have authority over sickness and disease. The enemy is the author of poverty. God doesn't have anything to do with lack. We have been given authority over lack, over demons, over evil spirits over sickness and disease. God gave us authority to walk all over the devil. Okay? He supplied the power. But we've got to flip the switch. See, authority is different than prayer. Authority is not talking to God about your problem. Authority is talking to your problem about God. Telling the sickness what God says. Telling the lack what God says. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys. Keys represents authority. We sang, sung about it today. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever God binds on earth, no, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. We have authority over all the devil's power. I also gave you an example of a police officer um, standing in the street. We have a police officer, um, a former police officer, former sheriff in our church, uh, Jackie, and um, also my sister-in-law. And, and she would direct traffic as a sheriff. And when she'd hold her hand out and the truck is coming, the truck has to stop. Now, if just any, anybody stands out in the street and puts his hand out, he might be in trouble. He could get hit. But see, she's got all of, of, of Allen County behind her because she's got a badge on. And when she holds her hand out, she doesn't have power over the truck. But she has authority over all the power of the truck. And the truck stops because the truck recognizes authority. The devil has no choice but to recognize your authority. You have authority. The devil does have power, but you have authority over all his power. Now the question comes up. and Here's where I want to dig in. Somebody always wants to say religious folks. They just dismiss it. Because, see, religious folks are always right. But anyway, religious folks will try to say, well, what about, now, you, just can't, you just can't command stuff, and you can't use your authority over sickness. It might not be God's will for you to be healed. It might not uh, be God's will for you to prosper. No, it's God's will. God says, I, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. The word of God says, by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. See, God already healed you. God already, God has done everything he's going to do about the coronavirus. Now, the church has got to rise up and command it to stop. And you can keep it off of you by using your authority. Oh, no, you can't do that because God is sovereign. Now, let's talk about what does that mean? That means God is in control. Uh, it means supreme uh, control, uh, su supreme power. So let me ask you this question, and don't, fall, don't, don't, don't drop your coffee cup. Is God, is God really in control? Well, the answer to that is, depends on what you're talking about. Yes and no. Is God in control? Because here's, here's the dark secret of the church is the church wants to, wants to kind of wiggle around and, and, and uh, kind of tippy-toe around. And really, their answers, when they're not based on the word of God, causes even more confusion. And, 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 and here's this question that, that Christians like to avoid. Um, if you say God, you Christians say God's in control. Now, this is a legitimate question. And given the incorrect answer will lead people to uh, just really misunderstand God entirely. Because a lot of people think that God is a tyrant, that God is an angry God. But God, that is not the, our Heavenly Father. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. God is not angry with the world. God so loved. I like it. It didn't say God loved the world. He so loved the world. 
that he gave his only begotten son, John 3.16. But a lot of people stop reading that. And the 17th verse says, he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. As I said, you accepted and approved. He didn't, he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. If you want to know God's attitude toward humanity, follow, I dare you, follow Jesus around in the Gospels. And it was the religious people, the same way it is today, that go around and, and was mad at Jesus because he was approving and accepting and showed love, unconditional love and acceptance to people. And it was the religious people that said, oh, don't, don't even know that that woman he talking to is a sinner. Don't even know who she is. He eats with publicans and sinners. He eats with the tax collectors. Jesus like, duh, those that are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Bible says that he was friendly to sinners. They said the common people heard him gladly. They called him a friend. The Bible says he's a, he was a friend of publicans and sinners. That's what I want to be said of me. I'm a friend of sinners. Because see, we, we, we've got the answer. We need to show them love and acceptance. Yeah, yeah. Telling, people, telling people that they're going to hell, that's not the gospel. The gospel is good news. Do I believe in hell? Yeah. But the good news is not, it's not preaching hell. It's preaching the good news that Jesus came to save you. Jesus came on a rescue mission. Thank you, Lord. All right, so, yeah, just follow Jesus around. You'll, you'll find out how he is. Did he go around condemning people, tell them how bad they were, tell them they better straighten up? Well, well we told a woman in adultery, sin no more. That's not the whole thing. He first, when the woman was caught in, in, the, in adultery, what did, what did he do? All them people had rocks in their hands. See, tell the whole story. And they wanted to condemn her. He said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. They all began to, to go out uh, one by one. And only Jesus and the woman was left. Does that look like somebody wanted to condemn her? As a matter of fact, he said, uh, so has no one condemned you? She said, no one. See, he said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. They all walked out. And the only one without sin was him. He was the only one left. He was the only one without sin. Those who would have condemned her could not. He that could have condemned her would not. Has no one condemned you? No one. Neither do I. Go your way. Sin no more. See, he, by not condemning her, he offered her the gift of no condemnation. And that gave her the power to sin no more. Have you ever heard a story like that? Tell the whole thing. He said, sin no more. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not it. 
Amen. So what about this, um, is God in control? And when people ask that question, they wonder, say, you Christians, you say that God is in control. Then how come you got inequalities in the earth? Why do you have, why, why are people starving? If God is, control, is in control, why are so many people starving? Why do you have inequalities in the earth? Why do you have wars? Why don't he stop the coronavirus if God is in control? What about natural disasters like hurricanes that wipe out whole areas, tornadoes, tsunamis that kill people? If God is in control, why is all that stuff happening? Tell me that, Christian. Well, you know, you never know what the will of God is. God's got a purpose in it. We always don't know. We, we don't always know what his purpose is. Wait, wait a minute. Let's go to the word of God. How about, how about this? Let's go to the word of God for answers. Now, I'm not going to turn to all these verses. I'll turn to, to one because I, I want you to, you to see it. Um, we don't have this one um, on your screen. I, I don't know if we have verses on your screen today, but um, if not, we're working on it. So in Acts, excuse me, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, kicking it old school, turn it in your Bible. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Mark this in your Bible. In their case, let's back up to verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. That's what keeps people from being saved. Somebody blinds them, and it's the God of this world who has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. You see this? This is referring to Satan. And he's referred to as the God of this world. That's why you have the inequalities. That's why you have the natural disasters. That's why you have the wars. God is not in control. The reason why that you got all this mess in the world is because God is not in control of this world. Now hang on, don't, don't hang up on me now. Okay? Ultimately, God is in control. But Satan has a temporary lease on the earth. Now let's, let's look at this. Again, let's look, through, let's, look through, let's look at the Bible now. Luke chapter 4 gives us something very, very revealing in Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. This is one of the temptations at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. All the kingdoms of the world, the whole world. He, he showed him, took him up on, on, in a high place, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, now, these are referred to as temptations. 
Now watch this. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And said to Jesus, to you, I will give all this authority. What authority? The authority of the kingdoms of the world. I'll give it to you and their glory. Watch. For it, what? The kingdoms of the world, the authority of the kingdom of the world, the authority of the kingdoms of the world and their glory has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will or whoever I want to. Well, the devil is a liar. He's just lying. No, he's not lying because these are temptations. What makes a temptation a temptation is the ability to yield. If Jesus could not yield to this, it would not have been a temptation. And, and then Jesus would have said, you lying. But it was a temptation. For example, you can't tempt me by saying, Pastor Al, I'll give you a billion dollars if you get pregnant and have a baby. Is that a temptation for me? No. Why? Because I can't get pregnant. I don't have the ability to yield. So that's not even a temptation. This is a temptation. The, the kingdoms of the world were Satan's to offer. Now the question is, how did he get it? You have to go back to the garden. I encourage you to study this in your Bible. God gave Adam dominion in Genesis 1.26. Gave him the, the dominion over the, <clears throat> the whole earth. Genesis 1.26. God gave man, that was God's first created man on the earth. He gave Adam dominion over the whole earth, over the, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, man was given authority. Now, God operates legally. He gave man the authority on the earth, and once he gives man authority, he doesn't take it back. He can't just come in and bogart his way into the earth. He gave man authority in the earth. So if something is going to do something, or if some... If something is going to happen on the earth, man's got to do something about it. Because man was given the authority. He gave um, Adam authority over the garden and everything that was on the earth at that time. Okay? He was um, commanded to tend and keep the garden. God wasn't going to do that. He had to do it because he was given the authority. Now, what happened was Satan came in and Adam and Eve yielded to Satan's temptation in the wilderness or, or in, excuse me, in the garden. They yielded to Satan's temptation. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God commanded them not to eat of. He said, the day that you eat, you will surely die. Now, they ate it, and they went on living physically for, for hundreds of years. But what, is, what, is, what did he mean? That they will surely die. They died spiritually. See, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. His spirit, which was 
alive to God. His spirit was made in the image and in the likeness of God. Was, his spirit was alive to God. It was just like God. But what happened was that he had, he had wonderful fellowship and commun, communion with God. But when, when he ate of that tree, he died instantly, spiritually. What is spiritual death? Separation from God. Something else happened. And see, that's why the world needs to be saved. That's why we all needed to have a Savior. That's why Jesus needed to come and go to the cross and die for us because we all inherited the sin from Adam, spiritual death. Romans 5.12 says, by one man sin entered the world and death, spiritual death, through sin. And, and so death spread to all men for all sin. So we all inherited the sin nature from Adam. And so Jesus came. When Jesus came, it was a rescue mission. Thank you, Lord. He came and redeemed us. Thank you, Jesus. And so back to the garden, what also happened when he ate of that tree, the authority that God gave him he legally turned it over to the devil. That's why it says here, it has been, the devil told Jesus, it's been delivered to me and I'll give it to whoever I, I will because see, Adam gave it to him. And Satan's been in charge ever since and that's why you've got the mess, the wars, the catastrophes, the inequalities and the mess going on in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is the solution. The good news is. Pastor, tell us, <laughs> tell us, the, tell us the good news. Okay, I'm going I'm to tell you the good news. Jesus came. As I said, his, he, he, he coming to the earth was a rescue mission. And he came into the earth, and he went to the cross, and he died for us. And he rose from the dead, praise God, and he said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. See, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. But he left his body on the earth. Jesus is the head of the church at the right hand of the Father, but his body is on the earth. The church, like I said before, it ain't this building. The church, it's you and me. It's the body of Christ. And you've been given authority over all the power of the enemy because the authority in heaven, all the authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. The authority in heaven is for Jesus. The authority in the earth is for the church, his body. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. That's for us to walk on serpents and scorpions over sickness, over disease, over poverty. Thank you, Lord. Just rise up and take your authority. If you've got trouble in the home, it covers that. If you've been fussing and arguing about finances since this corona thing hit, See, uh, people are, are, have been uneasy about um, finances, worried about finances. And some, some of y'all been arguing and fussing in the house and having disagreements. Take authority. That's right. That's 
in your marriage in Jesus' name. Command this thing to stop. This division, this strife stops in Jesus' name. Just take authority over it. In the spirit, take authority over it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I hope that helps y'all understand why the, why the mess is happening in the, in the earth. See, it's like this. If you rent an apartment, all right? Now, see, is God in control? Ultimately, God is in control. But the devil, because Adam sinned in the garden, transferred the authority in the earth over to Satan. Satan has a temporary lease on the earth. It's like if you rent an apartment and, and you sign a lease to that apartment, you can go into that apartment as long as it doesn't violate the terms of the lease agreement. You can do anything you want. You can, put, you can hang uh, pictures on the wall. You can put your television anywhere you want. You can put furniture anywhere you want. You can arrange your bedroom any way you want. Okay? You've you, you got a lease agreement. Now, what if you come home one day and the, um, the person you leased from, the owner, okay, you don't own the apartment. You have a temporary lease. It may be for a year. Okay? So you come from home from work one day, and what if the owner is sitting in your bedroom Lay, uh, let's say they're laying across your bed watching TV and eating popcorn. Are you going to say, oh, you know, I'm glad you just let yourself in. I know you got a master key, and I, I'm, I'm just happy you were able to uh, watch some TV. Can I fix you some dinner? No, this is, it's going to be a problem because he, he, now, now he, he can do that because he has ultimate control. He has the power to go in your apartment, but he doesn't have the right. So, is God in control? Yes and no. He's in ultimate control. Because one day, the lease, see the devil's got this temporary lease on the earth, but when Jesus comes back, he's going to evict him. Because his lease has an expiration date. And Jesus is going to come and evict him and boot him out. But until then, he has a right to be here. And we need not be ignorant of his devices. We, he's, not some, he's not locked up in some uh, hell prison. The Bible says he roams to and fro throughout the earth, seeking whom he may devour. See, God is not the author of sickness and disease and all the confusion and the mess. The Bible tells us the thief comes. He's not responsible for tornadoes and hurricanes and floods, tsunamis. The Bible tells us who the author of that stuff is. Now, religious folk, they get angry. Oh, you can God is in control. Shut up. No, I ain't going to shut up. This is the gospel. This is the good news. The good news is he doesn't have authority over you. It's the thief, John 10, 10, that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'm coming that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the church needs to rise up and take authority. And I'm telling you, I'm not the only one. There's believers who know their rights and privileges in Christ Jesus who are going around and taking authority over this coronavirus. And one day you're going to wake up and say, we don't know what happened. 
but the curve is flattened, and this thing has ceased because we use our authority in Jesus' name. Glory be to God. All right. Since we're all at home, let's go a little bit further. Jesus, on the following day. See, Jesus, Jesus our example, he showed us how to do it. On the following day when, he, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing in a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. Well, Pastor, I, I speak to this thing and y'all speaking to this thing, and, 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 but I don't see nothing changing. Watch this. Jesus himself spoke to a tree. He went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, the uh, New King James says, and it, either King James, New King James says, and he answered the tree. What? Answered the tree? A tree can't talk. The tree said, you ain't going to have no fruit. Circumstance can talk to you. You ever had your wallet talk to you? You ever have your bank account talk to you? You ain't getting no groceries this week. You ain't paying that car. You ain't got enough. You ain't got enough to pay the bills. You ain't got enough to eat. You ain't got enough to make it the rest of the month. Your body ever talk to you? You're going to die. No, I declare what the word says. I will live and not die. See, use your authority. You've been delivered with long life. Will I satisfy you? See, the word of God is life to those that find them and health, medicine to all their flesh. He sent his word and healed us. His name is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Just command your body to be healed. When your body talks to you, talk back to it. Tell back, be made whole. Huh? Foot? <laughs> You heal. You, t you hear me? You heal. Whatever it is, speak to the knee. Speak to the arthritis. Speak to the cancer. It talks. Talk back to it. Jesus spoke to the tree. May no one eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree. Listen, this is 24 hours later. We can fast forward and go on to verse 20. 24 hours later. Now see, back up. When he spoke to the tree, let no one eat fruit from you ever again, his disciples what? Heard it. They probably wondered, what is wrong with this dude? Are we, are we sure about this guy? We, we follow him. We left all and we follow this guy, man, and he's talking to trees. Because see, there's nothing that outwardly happened to the tree or else they would have said something. So don't be concerned when you first speak to your situation, nothing changes. This is 24 hours later. See, Jesus spoke to that thing and, and he, know, he knew it was dead when he spoke to it. It's just a matter of time. It's not a matter of if when you speak to stuff, it's just a matter of time. You just stay in faith and keep believing. Stay out of fear and stay in faith. Huh? 
If you don't stand firm in your faith, you won't stand at all. Take a stand. Dig your feet in. Say, no, not today, devil, no. I don't see nothing right now, but this stuff is going to change right now. This marriage is going to change right now. My children are going to change because I spoke to the situation. It's got to change. It's not a matter of if. It's only a matter of time. They saw, but in the morning, they saw it. Saw what? The fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered. What did he remember? Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. He remembered Jesus. Oh, we thought he was crazy speaking to that tree. He spoke to, he spoke to that thing. And Peter said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you curse is withered. Jesus like, what do you think is going to happen, man? I got, I got authority over this situation. And the authority that Jesus had, he gave it to the church. Woo, man. Remember, he, re he rebuked the winds and the seas when they were in the boat. And there was a great windstorm, and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And there was a great calm. Remember we read in, in Isaiah, the, the, the prophet told Ahaz, just stay calm. And if you don't stand firm in your faith, you won't stand at all. How many of you are going to stand firm in your faith? Summon nation! No. Oh, come on now. Have faith in God. See, I, I got to talk to stuff. The enemy talks to me. I've got a ministry that I'm responsible for. But I, look, I'm an under-shepherd under God. God can take care of this ministry. But my job is to trust him. The devil would, 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 he says stuff to me about, oh, you know, people are not going to give. Not that, they, not that they, they don't come. Not that y'all can't meet. Finances are going to go down. No! Finances are not going to go down. Finances are going to increase. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you curse is withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Actually, this, this says in the Greek, have the faith of God. That's why you always want to check things out in the Word. I remember briefly um, tell the story about years ago, somebody was trying to come against faith teaching. Why would you want to come against faith teaching? That's what, every, that's what makes the whole Word of God work. But they had this, um, somebody had this book, and because faith teachers say that this verse doesn't say have faith in God. It says have the faith of God. That's different. Now, we know our faith is in God, but this is having, have the faith of God. I just thought about something. Let, let me just put a pin there. But when, when you think about the sovereignty of God, 
going back to the power illustration, if you build a new house and you got to get electricity turned on, you don't get all nervous and concerned wondering whether or not the electric company is going to supply you power. You don't, do, do you ever think, you ever move into a new house and you needed power? Did you ever think, well, you know, the electric company is sovereign. <laughs> no, you just go over there and tell them to turn this doggone thing on. You sign up for the service and turn the thing on. Now all you got to do is flip the switch. Faith is flipping the switch. We don't talk about, well, somebody come over to your house. You never went to the electric company and asked them to turn it on. Somebody come to your house. It's 11 o'clock at night. They're like, well, where's the light? Well, you know, the electric company's sovereign. You just, can't, you just can't make the electric company. And that's the way people are with God. Well, you just, you just can't command stuff to happen. You better find out whether it's God's will. We're talking about not just speaking anything, but things that have already been provided. Actually, if you read the, the Amplified Bible in Matthew 18, 18, Matthew 16, 19. Any Bible students in the house? I mean, we need to check things out in the Word. Don't just take things because preachers say it. Check it out in the Word. In the Amplified, it says, whatever you bound, bind on earth are things that have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth are things that have already been loosed in heaven. See, you, you, and you can't bind and loose what haven't already been bound and loose in heaven. See, then you can understand. See, when you understand what I explained to you from the word of God about God's sovereignty and that Satan has a temporary lease, is, is in control of, on, on this earth. But see, he's not in control of the believer because Jesus gave the believer authority over all the power of the enemy. See, when you, when you understand all these things, see, it, 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 it all makes sense. Then you understand why it says whatever you bind on earth. Not whatever God binds, whatever you bind are things that have already been bound in the finished work of yeah. Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And so, so I go, I'm, I'm teaching in... in um, Greece, in a Bible school, okay? It was fun, really fun. And um, actually the pastor, a lot of his students, uh, a pastor there in Athens, he went to, he sat in, he wasn't actually a student, but a lot of his members were students in the school, so they allowed him to come and audit the class. And he would sit in on it. Had wonderful fellowship with him and went, went to his home and, had a, he's Greek, but he's, he's married to a, a wonderful African woman, and she cooked us a wonderful African meal. She she was uh, she saw how much sugar I liked in my in my in my coffee. She said she said you you got to be from Africa. She said because Africans love their sugar. Uh, you you can have certain companies that shut down manufacturing plant plants shut down, no big deal. He said, but if the sugar plant shuts down, you got to riot. <laughs> where she lives. She's from Sudan, uh, the country of Sudan in Africa. But anyway, let's wrap this up. But 
this is very important that you understand. In case you read books that somebody, they think they're a Greek scholar or something. So I read this book, somebody trying to come against faith, and he said, well, faith teachers say that this says have the faith of God. It doesn't say that. It, has, it says have faith in God, not have the faith of God. That's incorrect. And he brought out all this Greek stuff. Time out. Time out. Now, this was in the back of my mind. I know that he said that. But I, even in the margins of some of your Bibles, I don't know if, if it's in this one that I have, but some, in, in margins of some Bibles, it'll have a little footnote that says, have the faith of God. It has a little footnote by the word in. And you can check it out in your Bible and see if it, it has that. Uh, so anyway, I'm about to teach in this class. And I've got an interpreter. Now, the Bible was originally written in Greek. And so I'm in, <laughs> I'm in Greece. And in my notes, I will say that this, that this says in verse 22, have the faith of God. That's what it says in the Greek. Now, my mama didn't raise no fool. And I got a guy, I'm teaching English, and this guy, my interpreter, got his Greek Bible. Now, I'm not going to get up there and say that the Greek Bible says, have the faith of God, and that guy's sitting right there with his Greek Bible. I don't want to be incorrect. Now, I thought I was right, because people have taught me said that, but that's why you got to check things out for yourself. Thank God for these great Bible tools. Now, I can go right in and see what, see what it says. So... But I asked this guy, I didn't do anything, I didn't, didn't try to lead him into anything. I just told him, before I, before I went out to teach, I said, read this in your Greek Bible to me. Interpret it from your Greek Bible and read it back to me in English. And he read it, he said, have God's faith. I said, thank you very much. So I can go out there and say, your Greek Bible say... Uh, all, of, all of them sitting down there in the Greek Bible. Thank you, Lord. It says, have the faith of God. Okay, so take it from me. I've been there. They told me. The Greek says, have God's faith. Truly I say to you. See, Jesus said, you think it's something. Because Peter said, Pastor, look, the fig tree that you curse is with away. Jesus said, you think that's something? You have God's faith. You, you've got the faith of God. Truly I say to you that whoever, not just me, whoever says to this mountain, see, because I gave you authority. Whoever says to this mountain, the mountain represents your circumstances, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Whoever says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, doesn't doubt, stand firm in your faith and believe that, the, that what you say will come to pass. It shall be done for you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You get some out of this today? Oh, man. And this, you know what? Um, God's going to get good, even though he's not the author of this mess that's going on right now, but God gets good out of it. One of the things that he gets out of it, I get to preach longer. 
<laughs> Amen. The bad part is you can just turn it off and go to the kitchen anytime you want. Get your chicken wings and thank you, Lord Jesus. But uh, amen. Did you get something out of this today? Praise. Let's give God praise today. Thank you, Lord. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. You're a good God. Thank you. 